glad that you're here with us. We're, we're buttoning up, you know, finishing our series this morning on the book of James. We're, uh, uh, we've been in the book of James for about seven or eight weeks now. And uh, if you ever want to listen to a message that we have taught on, just go to Spectrum Church. I don't know, doc, dot org forward slash media or something like that. And you'll be able to find uh, messages or go on podcasts and download them. I uh, want to encourage you. The Bible does say this, that faith comes from hearing and what? Yeah. Hearing by the word. So you got to keep hearing the word of God. And so uh, one thing we always say around here is, you know, uh, just don't just come to church and just listen. You know, come with your phone open or a notebook and write some stuff down because you're just going to build yourself up to hear it. Write it down. It gets in you even more and more. Well, as I said, we're on the last series of lessons from the book of James. We could be here for literally weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, James is so rich in practical application we've been finding and saying some amazing things that are really kind of pinpointing uh, everywhere that we're at because we live in this world and James is just hitting things, whether it's walking by faith and tests and trials and temptations or doing the word of God or what do we do in different situations. And so we, we've just been finding out some real po powerful and practical things as well. And today is going to be uh, uh, no different. Uh, today we're going to look at one scripture and we're going to build our whole lesson around it for the next you know, 35 or 38 minutes or so. Uh, so I uh, want to encourage you, uh, again, I, you get the opportunity to hear me on the second shot. shot. The first guys that were here at the, nine, you know, the 930 service, uh, I had tons of people, I'm not telling you this to, so you'll like what I'm about to say, but they just said, you killed it today and you need, uh, this is exactly what I needed. Uh, and so I say that because what I'm going to talk about as we just break this down is really probably going to hit a lot of you in the head and uh, cause a lot of us to think and cause a lot of us really just to look at what's gone on in our life up until now, what James says, and for us to do something about it. That's why I love the Word. The Word never lets us, and Jesus doesn't let us out here just hanging out and just saying, okay, now that you surrendered your life to me, uh, I hope you can make it. No, he's got practical application from the Word of God for us to actually work into the fabric of our life. And if we work it into the fabric of our life, can I say it this way? His die, D-Y-E, gets up into our die, D-Y-E. Well, we become like him. That, that'd be good, wouldn't it? If you actually became more and more like him. Would that be good, everybody? Yeah. So let's look at this one verse uh, as we talk about this one and last installment. Today, if you're looking for a title, you can title today's message, Sufferfest. Sufferfest. I don't know about you, but when I think about suffering, it's probably a lot, uh, for a lot of us, it's something we want to avoid. Uh, there, there's things maybe that, that maybe uh, if you've got a tough week coming up, you already know. You already know the schedule. You already know maybe you're in a season, maybe you're in a time that you're having to go to the doctor regularly. Maybe they're going to poke and prod. They're going to do things. And you know there's going to be some suffering already mentally, emotionally, physically. You're feeling it in your body. It'll work in all kinds of realms. If you're dealing with situations right now in your marriage and it's not maybe the way you want it to be, or when you said I do, and she said I do, now there's kind of like a lot of I don'ts, I won't, I want out. And you're in some suffering right now. Um, you know, whether it's physical activity, and, and again, they tell us that the athletes that are great athletes that break through things, as a guy did a couple of days ago when he beat the marathon record for running 26.4 miles, uh, he beat it. But the only way you beat it is that you suffer in a certain point where you hit athletically wise, what they call it anaerobic, your muscles are actually breaking down and it's pain and it's suffering, but you've got a target in mind. And so if we can attack things physically, if we can change things even in the physical realm, 
then I believe we can change things in the mental realm, the soulish realm, and we sure can see change happening in a spiritual realm. But it's up to you and it's up to me. And can I just say this honestly today? This in the room the size of this today, some of you all will win. And I hate to say this, but some of us just won't do what's necessary to cause us to win. And yet everybody in the room is given the very same opportunity. And so regardless of your background, regardless of your age, eighth, eighth, uh, race, ethnicity, regardless of the amount of money you have in your bank or don't have, regardless what you feel or don't feel, the Word of God says if you will take this and work this into your life, you can succeed. That, that's a pretty weak amen, but I, but I feel you this morning. You're already suffering this morning, so that's okay. <laughs> James 5.13, look what the brother says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. When everything's going good, it's kind of interesting. You know, again, been a pastor for 34 years, uh, been in the ministry, again, like, just like you've been in church life, a lot of you, for a long time. And you can always see when people are doing real good. Come to church early, worship God real strong. And then you can generally see, as a pastor, because I'm up here, you can generally see that look in people's eyes or that thing in people when it's not going so good because they clam up, they, 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 they sit toward the back. Nothing against you backseaters. Nothing, nothing, that doesn't mean you this morning. You've got kids or whatever you got. You just like back there. But, but, but if somebody's been up here and they slowly work their way back, uh, something's going on. And so James says, if anything's going on, he says, if you're cheerful, if, something, if, if life's working for you, it's good. You, you should be having a song and a praise and a, and a shout in your voice, right? But then he says this, you know, are you suffering? If, if you're suffering, he says, you, you, need, to, you, you need to pray. Are, are you in pain? Are you going through hardship? Are you struggling? Are things not working out in your life? He, he says, you, 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 person, you, mom, dad, single high school kid, college student, you need to pray. So here's what I found over the years. Most Christians, most, most, not all, most Christians don't pray. Most Christians complain. And they, they tell you about what's going on. They tell you, and they just download all what's going on. They said, hey, have you prayed about it? And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, uh, maybe I should pray. Prayer isn't a last resort. Prayer is a first response. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, let him pray. Come on, let him pray. Let him pray. So we're on the, a level playing field, so we all get our foundations straight of what, 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 found, what suffering is, and we're going to talk about it all morning, you know, for the time that we're here. But just to kind of give us some definitions, because I like definitions, that kind of helps me attack something from a different angle. Suffering, biblically speaking, means enduring hardship. It means there's troubles. It means you'll see this word in the Old Testament, and if you got one of those old King James versions in the New Testament, here's the word, you're afflicted. You're afflicted. In other words, we just kind of say, you know, in modern day English, that brother, that sister, they're going through it. They're going through it. Hard time. Struggling. We don't necessarily say suffering, but we see now in the world, we could actually identify lots of places in all kinds of different scenarios in the world and even in our community. Don't have to go very far where you look and you see people that are experiencing suffering. Physical suffering, mental suffering, emotional suffering. Uh, we know different parts of the world that people are actually going through religious persecution and suffering. 
So when it comes to the Bible, we'll see, generally speaking, from the New Testament perspective, when it talks about affliction and it talks about suffering, it's talking about for your religious stance. But we do know that suffering comes in all kind of shapes, in all kind of places, in all kind of manifestations. So just again, as a, lay, uh, as, 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 as a, a foundational statement, I just want you to look on the screen real quick so we're all in the same point uh, uh, stance this morning, is that God doesn't cause suffering, but God will use suffering for His glory. God doesn't cause it. God's not the cause of your pain. God's not the cause of your suffering. God's not the cause of your difficulty. But God will then use it if you will let Him use it. Now, it's interesting. I think there's a couple of, there's, a, there's lots of verses in the Old Testament, but I picked a couple because I think they're, they're so, uh, they pinpoint me and they probably pinpoint everybody in the room. And they're from the book of Psalm that David, King David wrote. And it's recorded for us because I don't think it was just for David, but this is just the human experience for all of us. David says in Psalm 119.67, check it out. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. I did my own thing. I was happy. I had some money. Everything was good. But now I keep your word. Before I was afflicted, I did my own thing. But I've wised up now. And he says this in verse 71. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It's good for me that I went through that. Because I was a knucklehead. I was a dummy. I was a fool. I was full of pride. I was arrogant. I, 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 thought I, I thought I had life by the tail. It's good for me now that I went through that. Anybody beside me glad you went through some trouble? Come on. Come on. It's good for me. Because David says, when I went astray, I was afflicted. It wasn't working for me. And now I found out my true north. Now I found out I need God. Come on, everybody. Somebody said this, and it's true again for the human experience. You and I aren't alone. This is true for all of us. Most people, not all, but most people don't draw near to God and don't want God, but find God in the times of tension, transition or trouble when things aren't going good when there's trouble on every side oh god i need you up in here right now or tension going on i don't know what the report's going to be oh god where's my bible and i'm just saying you know what what i love about god is that if that's you this morning man come on come on come on come on because if that's you this morning god's saying i'm for you it's not and we're for you listen we're not the church that says you come up in church and you want god and you've been crazy all week no you stay outside no you come running back baby we're gonna love you up in here if you're suffering, if you're going through it, come on, find out God, even in your affliction where you run back to God, you run back to his word, you run back to the house of God. God is a God that will love you. He's a loving heavenly father. Come on, somebody say amen and amen. So if you're in tension, you're in trouble, you're in transition, it's just, you don't know, come on, you're like on the ocean of life, on, the, on, a, on a boat, man. I got a kayak, and I tell you what, I, I've, I'll go out to Otai Lakes, and then when I first got this kayak, and I was starting to paddle, woo, it's a little bit, it's a little bit dicey. I actually flipped my kayak a couple times. Woo, and I thought I was real smart, because I went out fish. I like to bass fish, so I had my kayak, and I, I thought I was going to be real kind of smart, and I was going to stand up and fish a little bit. 
And I found out the brother needs a little lower center of gravity. Come on, somebody. So I took a dive in, in Otai Lakes. Thank God I had a little life jacket on. I can swim, but it wasn't fun. You know, you're, you're like, God, I need to get stable here. And he says, you can get stable if your heart will be drawn near to me. Come on, everybody. Look what Peter says. If you want to find out more in the New Testament about suffering in any other book, you got to read Peter. And again, Peter's coming from the position of religious persecution and suffering. But suffering in all of our lives has lots of different variations. Notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ's suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, in other words, religious persecution, you'll be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So Peter says this, just basically, Peter says, listen, if you're going through religious persecution, again, the persecution, we see Paul, the apostle, he was later the apostle. His name was called Saul first. He was a religious zealot. He'd be dragging the Christians out of their houses and arresting them and causing them to be uh, uh, eventually put to death. He hated Christianity until, he, until God got a hold of them in Acts chapter 9. You know that whole story. And he had his total God conversion and went from persecuting the church to preaching about Jesus and the church. And so Peter says, there's guys now that are persecuting you guys for your religious belief. But he says, you take that, you bear that. But he says this, if you suffer, I like it, verse 15. If you suffer for being a murderer, if you suffer for stealing, if you suffer for making trouble or prying to other people's affairs, what he's saying is, shame on you. You ain't suffering. This ain't religious suffering. You, you don't show up at work on time. That's why you can't keep a job. You ain't suffering. You won't stay, you won't work hard. You're on your phone. Man, I got a guy, we got a guy, I know a guy, a businessman. He just had to fire two, he fired two employees. He fired two employees because he found on company time. They were on the computer four hours a day shopping. Four hours a day checking out hotel reservations. Four hours a day. He's paying them. And you got fired, and now you're now you, now you mad at God. No, you ain't mad at God. You're a fool. You're a fool. You're suffering because you're a big dummy head. That's what he's saying. Now, I ain't calling you a dummy head. But look what he says here in verse 19. So if you're suffering, 1 Peter 4, in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. Come on, come on look at your neighbor and say, keep on doing what's right. Keep on doing what's right. And trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. So again, the, the, specifically, these scriptures are talking about suffering persecution for your Christian belief. And so by way of getting us all on the same page, evidently God is okay with you and I suffering. So if that is true, from what it seems from the scripture, if that is true, then something supernatural must be going on 
And something spiritual must be going on and happening while suffering is happening to us individually. If you're being ostracized, if you're being criticized, if you're being antagonized, if, if we could say it this way, from people that are, that are maybe were Jewish or, and they're being persecuted for their religious belief, or, or maybe you're, you're set aside and, and you try to invite people to church and now you're the person at work, that you're the church person, and so they put you aside, they don't let you come into their group, and, and maybe the boss isn't going to promote you, and you're, you're, you're being persecuted because of that. Peter says, God evidently is okay with that if you will get the right mindset concerning what's really happening and God will work in you and God will work through you and God will turn it all around for his glory. Can you say amen? He's a genius at it. I, I like what, what again, the, the writer, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts and he traveled with the Apostle Paul for all those years. He used to be a doctor, still a doctor, I guess, you know. But he says this in Acts 14. I like what he says. He says, this was evidently a regular word to the church. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, as the word says. They reminded them, right, that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, so on your way from here, listen, to there, on your way from earth to heaven, let me just be straight with you. You're going to suffer many hardships. There's going to be stuff you go through. Stuff you can't figure out. Stuff you didn't pray for, ask about, but it's going to come your way. You're going to have people turn on you. You're going to have people that were with you. They're going to leave you. You're going to have people that promise you all kind of stuff at work, and they're going to forget about you just like they did Joseph. There are going to be all kind of scenarios come your way that will try to cause you to engage and stay in a defeated place where you are, quote, unquote, suffering and hardships and afflicted. And it'll come in different ways. It'll come in all kinds of scenarios. So you need to brace yourself and you need to maybe arm yourself, we could say, with awareness so when it comes, you're not caught off guard. Uh, we're, we're living in a time, again, for, if I could say it this way, the profession that I'm in as a pastor and minister, we're living in a time where you've seen it, I've seen it, every conference I go to now, the awareness brought to about mental health and about suicide amongst ministers that has spiked crazy in the last several years is on everybody's mind and heart. Where we deal with and we go through situations as we'll talk in a moment about suffering and people say, I didn't even know. I didn't know. And so it's everywhere and from here till heaven, there's going to be an all-out attack on you, an all-out attack on your marriage, an all-out attack on your family, an all-out attack on your health, all-out attack on where you are right now, where God wants to take you. Because the enemy is trying to thwart you from reaching the finish line. And even if you reach the finish line, he wants you maimed and he wants your mouth shut so that you don't become a dispenser of God's word and his goodness. And so he will ramp up suffering in your life to almost disenfranchise you from the belief or the, the hope that your life could actually change. So that's why, thank God, we've got to keep coming back to the word of God because he's a very present help. Come on, everybody. In time of need, amen, everybody? Come on, write several things down. Let me give you about five. I think you're going to help you. Number one, suffering's warfare. Suffering is just flat-out warfare. 
meaning mental warfare. Not necessarily physical warfare, but just mental warfare. Now, what we said a moment ago, this is a base stance that we need to understand from the Word of God, that suffering is not from God, but suffering is allowed by God. Listen to me, but it's still painful. It's, suffering is just, it's not from God. We, we, we know it's not from God. The scripture never says that God's the cause of suffering, but it is allowed by God. So we have to recognize that, that it's allowed by God. So since it's allowed by God, okay, but, but it's still painful. And, and if you really love me, I mean, it is, it, it, it does come to this, that, that parents, you're going to come to the point, you know, now that you've got small children and you, 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 you do every single thing for them, but they're going to grow up one day and you can't make every single decision. And they might make some painful decisions as, can we be honest? Every adult, you made painful decisions when you were a teen or a young adult. But your parents maybe let you go through that. Not, not one that would be crazy and cause hurt and harm, but, but you, need, you did this, you're going to have to go through this. And there's, there's suffering, but, but we know that this suffering that we deal with on a regular basis is this warfare that really happens in, happens in the mind. Um, there's one guy in the Old Testament, probably uh, the main guy that you would ever direct your attention toward if you want to find out about a guy that suffered, and his name was Job. Uh, his name wasn't Job. It's the book before the book of Psalms, but if we say Job, for some of you, maybe that's a prophetic word. Get a, get a job. You don't need to get a Job, get a job, right? So uh, the story in the first couple chapters says this, that Job actually actually in one kind of couple of days, lost all his servants, you know, almost all of them. He lost his kids. His kids all died. He lost all his camels and all his sheep. They all got scattered. The, the enemy came in. The devil just came in and ravaged his whole life, took everything valuable and precious to him. Uh, again, I, I believe that this is probably the most violent man, or violent attack on a man that we know in Scripture. Maybe there was somebody else, but this is what Scripture lists. And so we have the response to this. What do you do in this warfare? What do you do when this attack and assail comes to your life? What do you do? Job didn't have a Bible. Theologians believe that this is the oldest book in the Bible. He didn't have a church, didn't have a priest, didn't have anybody. To, he was by himself. He had a fear of God. He had, he had a knowledge of God a little bit, but kind of, kind of crazy theology too sometimes. But he had a couple of base points. It's interesting, these base points caused him to be grounded when life was going crazy. And here's what it says in Job chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. After all these attacks, it says this, his wife said to him, are you still holding on to your faith? Why don't you just curse God and die? Job answered. He said, you sound like one of the fools on the street corner. How can we accept all the good things that God gives us and not accept the problems? So even all that happened to Job, he didn't sin because he didn't accuse God of doing anything wrong. Can I, can I tell you something today? God's not your problem. God's not your problem. God's not causing it to go crazy at work. God's not causing the problem between you and your wife, you and your kids, kids, you and your parents. God's not causing the distance to happen between you and your friends. God's not causing the bullying at school. God's not causing, causing you to be suppressed in a job situation. It's the enemy. God's not the root of your suffering. He's not the root. But I tell you what, while you're going through it 
and you're serving God. It's kind of like you're, you're going through, let's just say, a physical situation. And, and, and you're, 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 you're the person that believes the scripture, meaning like by Jesus' stripes I was healed. Meaning that Jesus went about doing good and healing all the oppressed the devil for God was with him. Meaning that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you ever healed then, you will heal now. If you healed them, you will heal me. I believe that. But in the middle of it all, in the middle of it all, you're not there yet. It's still here. It's still, I still got pain. I still got bad report. I, I still got a racing heart. I still got diabetes. What do I do? I'm suffering up in here. Mind warfare. Mind warfare. Suffering is warfare. So what I do know is that what we keep saying constantly around here is that if you will regularly digest the Word of God in your life, you have an appetite for the Word of God, and the Word of God and the power of His Word will start working in you to cause a change in you that will affect how you think, what you believe, and then work in the rest of your life as well. So could I say it this way? Faith in God allows you to navigate the mind field. Not the mind field. That's on the, the, the battlefield that way, naturally. But the mind field. Where the thoughts and the accusations and the, the strategies and the tactics of the enemy try, try to grip you. In the middle of the night, you wake up and there it is again. And the fear and the worry and the stress and the anxiety. That, that, that just, this is the way it always would be. It'll never change. You're, you're never going to get out of this. And it, it just weighs on you constantly that faith in God will allow you to navigate the mind field. What do you do in the middle of the night when the mind monster comes looking for you? Do you have something? Do you have word in your heart? Do you have something in your heart that will allow you to resist? Let me tell you what, suffering is warfare. Number two, suffering isn't one-dimensional. It's just not one-dimensional. Paul says this, again, if Job was the most persecuted person in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul has got to be the most persecuted person in the New Testament for the duration of his life. I mean, Jesus was super persecuted, but really Jesus' persecution was only about three and a half years. The Apostle Paul went on for decades. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are pressed on every side, notice every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Can somebody say amen? amen. The Apostle Paul, through his writings, and even in this chapter, he will talk about several different types of suffering. He lists several different types of suffering. Mental suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering. Paul had best friends when you read like Timothy. He says, nobody stood with me. Everybody deserted me. But God was with me. That was it. He talks about stuff in 2 Corinthians. He lists all these physical things and, and emotional things that he went through where he, he was beaten physically and, and, and he's trying to preach, you know, trying to preach and raise up the churches and they're, 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 they're leaving him and talking and saying that he's a false apostle. All kinds of crazy was going on in this brother's life. Again, it was coming on all kinds of dimensions. But listen, no matter where the suffering's coming from, God, guys, God has got a way to get you out of it. He's got a way. He's got a way. Now notice these words that he says here. He says, not crushed. Look, look at that. Not crushed. 
So if you're going through something, I, I need you in this book right here, in this chapter right here, in this verse right here, to wag your finger at the devil and say, not crushed, not crushed. He says, not driven to despair. I'm not going to give up hope. I'm not driven to despair. It might not look great right now, but I'm not driven to despair. He says, I'm never abandoned by God. God, you haven't abandoned me. It might look like everybody else has left. My, my, my emotions, my fear, worries going crazy, but you're still here. He says, not destroyed. I refuse to give in. I will not be destroyed doesn't make a difference what it's what it looks like so again my focus your focus in suffering and pain and affliction and hardship and difficulties and persecutions wherever it comes from has got to be this right here I'm not going to be crushed I might be a lot might, might be some pressure right now but I'm not crushed I won't be crushed nope nope I'm never abandoned might look like they left me my but you know, it's interesting, when you read the Bible, right when Paul was talking, about, had a, a preaching companion named Barnabas. And Barnabas and Paul got in a little tit for tat, and Barnabas took another guy, uh, and he left. Barnabas actually took Mark, John Mark, and they left to go preach somewhere else. And Paul actually took Silas and went somewhere else. And after they split, it's interesting, we don't know, we believe, theologians believe that Barnabas did some amazing things, and I believe he did too. But from that point on, he is never mentioned in the Bible. I'm just telling you, just telling you. But after he left, you know what God did in Acts chapter 16? God brought Paul, his most faithful companion named Timothy. So be careful crying who left your life. The person who left your life, maybe God wants them gone so God can bring you a Timothy. Just a thought. Suffering isn't one-dimensional. Suffering, number three, needs to happen in community. Suffering needs to happen in community. Let me explain it. Not in the community, Chula Vista, East Chula, West Chula, Imperial Beach, the community, the neighborhoods. Not, we're talking about the community of faith. People who believe like you, people who think like you, people who are connected with you. They're going to hold your hands, going to be able to walk with you through difficult times and difficult seasons. Galatians 6.2 says this. I love this scripture. It says, carry each other's burdens. Come on, can you say that with me? Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. The way you fulfill the law of love is by carrying each other's burdens. And so we know from the scripture that, is that the scripture is real clear. Is that, is that the church needs to be a hospital. The church is a refuge for the hurting. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We help each other. We heal each other. We hold each other. We protect each other. Listen, can I, can, I, can I say this? If, if this is true, which I believe it's true, suffering needs to happen in community. Listen, no one should ever go through anything alone. Never, ever. Listen, never, ever. I, 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 listen, that's why we beg you. We beg you. And I know you get tired of it. So let me just rant for 45 seconds. We beg you to get through growth track. We beg you to go to growth track because we want you to be able to come out of growth track and to be able to serve on a team and to be able to connect with people and be able to network with people who are going to have your back. And you're going to be able to say, I'm going through a difficult time here. Would somebody pray for me around here? And they're going to talk to you and text you and pray with you and lift you up. We beg you, forgive me, to get involved in a small group. Why? Because you're going to get connected. And that's your first line of defense. And the people that get it in this church, listen to me. I'm going to tell you. 
are further along down the road than you are if you keep holding a distance. I'm talking about you've been, in the, you've been around for a while. Not you're trying to, you're checking us out and you're, and you're new to the church. and You need to just kind of check it out. We've got a guy in the church. Yesterday, I'm sitting on my couch studying, watching football games, watching a couple games, and I'm, I got my notes there. Also, my text rings last night. And it, 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 it's a guy named Mario Portillo. You'll see Mario and Tina in church. Mario's sitting in the front row being usher. Sometimes he's back in the back. Tina teaches down the two and three-year-olds downstairs. Phenomenal couple. Mario is in Hawaii for his wife's 55th birthday. He's over on Maui. He's on vacation. And he texts me, not because he needs anything from me. He's texting me because he wants me to know something. Somebody in this small group named Johnny B, who's an usher in our church too, he and Siong. They're in our church. Johnny B went to the hospital because Johnny B had some heart issues. And so he went to the hospital to get checked out. And so Mario texts me and says, hey, we, we've got, Johnny B's in our small group, and we've got, a, we've got a small group chat and a thread, and Johnny B let us know what's going on. So I want you to know we're on it and we're praying. Uh, uh, two minutes later, I, I get a text from Jim Gwynn, who's in our church. And Jim is like a right-hand man, does all kind of stuff around here, him and Rosie and their family, phenomenal. Amy. Jim texts me and says, hey, Pastor Gary, what I want you to know, did you hear about Johnny B? Johnny B's in the hospital. I said, yeah, man, just heard. Just got it from, just got it from Mario praying right now. Thanks, man. Uh, two minutes later, I get a phone call from Andre Christian, who's a, who's a, who's a usher here, been here forever. He and Mona, Mona leads our preschool and teaches down in the nursery. And I get a phone call from Andre. And Andre hey, Pastor Gary, what you know, I just got a call and, 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 and Johnny B's in the hospital. Why? Suffering needs to happen in community. Or you can be in a church and never in community. Listen to me. You need to get with some people. And in the middle of a serving on a team, in the middle of in a small group, where you can just be open and transparent and your heart can be open and you can be real and raw and authentic and say, can I just tell you something, guys? This week sucked up in here. Had a worst week ever. Might look great. Got a cool jacket on. Y'all like it? Got a cool little necklace on. Real good. Let me tell you what. Up in here, I'm hurting up in here. Look good on the outside like everybody in the room. But I'm hurting. Is there anybody in a group that will love you and pray for you when you can take your mask off? Suffering shouldn't ever happen by yourself. We like to say it this way. No Solo suffering. Recently, all these guys that took their life, here was the thing. Again, pastors, I'm saying, speaking from, people would say, I never knew. I saw some stuff I never knew, but I just, I didn't know it was that bad. To me, that's alarming. That you can believe something and never have anybody in your life that holds you through those things. There's all kinds of different scenarios, we know that. But I'm encouraging you that in 2020, and if you're not ready now, in the next three months, you get ready to say, man, you just, I'm changing. Changing. New me, 2020. New me. I'm Listen, I'm the guy. If you're going to change it, change it all, baby. Change your eating, change your diet, change your hair. Come on, change it all. Just change it all. I'm changing my spirit, soul, and my body. I'm changing everything. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm going to growth track. I'm going to get involved in a small group. I'm in. I'm in it to win it. Come on. I, I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. I need to get in community. Can somebody help me up in here today? Listen, but so you might say, well, I, I just need Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I'm sorry. That's not what the Bible says. You need Jesus and somebody with skin on. 
approve it. John 11, Jesus loved this family. A guy named Lazarus, a guy named Martha, and a chick named Mary. Two sisters and a brother. Jesus stayed at their house more than any other house, we know from Scripture. <laughs> the problem was is that Lazarus got sick and he died. And Jesus waited four days and then came to the house. Four days. Jesus says, take him, where, where, where is it? So they took him to where the grave was, said, roll out that stone. Some of y'all that have been in church, you, you know, man, we preach great, you know, great, 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 you know, messages like this. Lazarus, come forth. That's the God part. God raised Lazarus from the dead. But he came out of that grave. We don't know if he floated out, if he walked out like a mummy, because the Bible says in that time they would actually mummify them. There were strips that were wrapped around and all the ointment, all the stuff that would, you know, keep him from decomposing so quickly. So he comes out some way. Do you remember what Jesus told the guys? Loose him and let him go. The God part is to raise people from the dead. The man, the woman part is we loose other people from the grave clothes. You got to have both. You got to have both. Suffering needs to happen in community. A couple more here. Suffering trains us. Suffering just trains us. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, we got to tell you that when we were in Asia, troubles faced us nearly more than we could handle, he says. Burdens were, we bore nearly crushed us. Our strength dwindled to nothing. For a while, we weren't sure we, we could make it through the whole ordeal. We thought we would have to serve out our death sentences right then and there. As a result, we realized we could no longer rely on ourselves, and that we must rely and trust solely on God, who possesses the power to raise the dead. Miraculously, God himself delivered us from the cold hands of death. We again place our hope in him alone, and we know he will deliver us. Can you say amen and amen? Suffering trains us. What's he say it trained us? He said, number one, it trains me not to rely on myself. It's like, like the psalmist said, I'm glad when I was afflicted. Man, caused me to run back to God. Suffering trains me. You hadn't got life figured out, Gary. You need me. You need me in your life. Let it train you. Has it trained you? Or are you that guy that keeps making the same mistake again and again and again and again? Are you that guy? <laughs> are you that lady? It should train you to say, you need to wake up. It's not the devil. It's you. It's you. It's your heart. It's your will. It's your emotions. And so Paul says, this is training me to not trust in myself, number one. He says, number two, it's causing me to put my hope in you alone. It's getting my attention off me and knowing that you're going to deliver me again and again and again. What I know about suffering is that from what the Apostle Paul says and tells us is that our experience in suffering really can come, become an expression of God's grace. So when you're going through it, it's like, it's like wow, I, I, what am I going to do? What, you know what God's going to do? God's going to work in you, but God's going to use that to help somebody else. So every time you're going through it, what God will do is, I guarantee it, if you will look, God will bring someone across your path that needs what you're going through right now. Every single time. Because that's just what he does. So your real ministry is going to come from your life message. And your life message isn't always the high times, but your life message is what God did for you in the low times. What God is doing is doing for you. Come on, one more, one more thing real quick this morning before I let you go I think is important. Is that suffering will really bring 
eternal dividends. We understand this. It brings eternal dividends. Let me explain that. It's not just about now. Something supernatural is working in us now, preparing us for then. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. I love this scripture. I've been coming back to this in different translations for weeks now. Passion translation, here's what he says. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in light of eternity. Notice again. Slight, short-lived troubles in light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comprehension and comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what's unseen. For what's seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. So I'm going through it. And Paul says, listen, can I tell you? I've been beaten, I've been tortured, I've been bruised. He lists in 2 Corinthians 13 all the stuff he went through, some of it. Five times, he says, I received 39 lashes on my back. He says, I've been shipwrecked three times on a boat. Devil tried to kill me when I was on the water, taking the gospel to another continent three times. He says, I've been perils, perils, he says, by countrymen, my own men. I've been in perils by robbers, beaten, bruised. The Bible says they actually stoned him. Not like free joint, you know, at the green places over here. I'm talking about stone with rock stone. Some of y'all been to stoning parties. I ain't the same party. Hey. I used to go. So I'm just talking about over here. I take my mask off. I used to be a stoner. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hashtag used to. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen, right? Hashtag new man in Christ, right? But he says we view our light, short-lived troubles. We're thinking about eternity. So something's working in us. Something's producing something in me. So I'm going to let suffering work in me and draw me to God. Not draw me away from God. Let it work in you. So what do I do? All that said, comes down to this, <laughs> come down to this point right here. What do I do? Gary, what do I do? What do I do? What's James say? What was the scripture? James said, is any among you suffering? What do we do? Let him pray. Come on, my, my wife's the only one listening to me this morning. Wow. <laughs> is anyone, <laughs> help us Jesus up in the house. Is anyone among you suffering? Come on, help me. Let him pray. Let him pray. Let him pray. Do you pray or do you complain? Do you pray? David said in Psalm 55, cast your burdens. Give your burdens to the Lord. Give your cares to the Lord. Give your anxiety, give your suffering to the Lord. And he'll take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and to fall. Psalm 55, 22, that's what it says. He won't, he won't, he won't allow you to slip and fall. You might feel like it at times. God's going to be right there. He'll be right there. So what do you do in the middle of it all? You pray. You say, God, what are you doing? If I'm suffering, I need to get involved in communion. I need to, it's just training me. I need, I, need to, I need to have some people in my life. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. There's a guy right up the road at Saddleback Church. Some of y'all have read some of his books named Rick Warren. Phenomenal pastor. Phenomenal worldwide influence. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Everything. And you know what's crazy? Is that book and that whole curriculum 
is the second most popular book in the entire world other than the Bible. It's crazy. He gives away millions and millions and millions of dollars a year from all that stuff. He's, he's just a God man. And he's got something to say about suffering because his son actually a couple years ago committed suicide who dealt with depression and anxiety and stuff for decades. And he said this. He said, the difference for those who believe in Jesus is not the absence of the shadow, but the presence of the light. Can I tell you something? The shadow is always going to be there, guys. The darkness is always going to be there. The fear is going to be there. The worry is going to be there. The anxiousness is always going to try to grip a hold of you. I, I, you sit around and you think about what you could be worried about. You'll have a lot to worry about. But if you decide, if I'm going through it, if I'm suffering, I'm in hardship, I'm in difficulty, I'm, I'm feeling it up in here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab hold of those thoughts and I'm going to make them obey me and I'm going to, I'm going to allow it to train me. And I'm going to get involved with some people. And I'm going to say, will you pray for me? I'm just going to humble myself under God's hand and say, I need some help. Got some kids, got some grandkids, got some stuff in my body. My money's jacked up. I'm jacked up. Would you help me? Would you help me? I can't, I, every month, my, my money's jacked up. I make, I make money, but my money's jacked up. I need some help. I'm going to humble myself. It's not the devil. It's God using what you're dealing with and position you to a place where you reach out to him and you reach out to somebody else that'll get the bandages off you where you could be loosed and let go and be who God wants you to be how many that sounds like good news doesn't it come on everybody can you clap your hands and say amen and amen yeah yeah come on bow your head would you do that right there dear heavenly father we come to you right now in Jesus name I pray for every single person in the room going through suffering, difficulty, tests, challenges, trials, oh God, we find out in the book of James. I pray for every single person that will reach out and will ask you, will ask you for help. We'll pray, we'll pray. We won't complain, we won't posture, we'll pray. Help us pray, Lord, more and more to you. Because you are a very present help in a time of need. You don't keep us at arm length, you welcome us. So right here, while your head's bowed, your eyes closed, come on, no one looking around, give everyone the right to privacy. You're here, man, you're just going through it. And maybe you're going through it, you're just saying, I need God, I need Jesus. I've been running, I've been doing my own thing. But I'm done. Come, like I said, I'm putting my foot down. I ain't waiting till 2020. I'm putting my foot down in 2019. I'm making a decision. To